Hello, this is Jessica Heron, founder and CEO of the Stella and Dot Family Brands, and this is my brand new podcast, Self Made. Hey, friends, and welcome to this episode of Self Made. This one's going to be raw and just like taking a little walk into my brain and hearing the narrative of what's happening for me right now as I go through a really exciting business evolution. I decided to just do this episode off the cuff because when you plan an episode and you interview people, it's like you're watching the highlight reel of the end result and their thoughts seem so pulled together. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, gosh, I am like crazy because (laughs) I am all over the place and it's just a mumble jumble. Like, am I ever going to get there? And so last week I did that with Kelly Levesque, took you into behind the scenes story. And this week I decided to do it with my thought and emotional journey in making a business decision that I think is really pivotal, revolutionary, scary, bold, innovative, all the things that a leader, an entrepreneur, anyone who wants to thrive and survive in business over a long run has to go through. So let me break it down for you. I came at this business, gosh, I'm going to say 15 years ago because my daughter is 15 and I was pregnant with her when I started getting in experimenting with what was Lux Jewels that became Stella and Dot, that became S&D Family of Brands. But back then in my living room, when I knew nothing about this industry, all I knew is I had a dream. And that was a dream to create a more flexible way for women to get income. Corporate world was not flexible. There wasn't even really people talking about a gig economy at that time. It's like basically called a part-time job or, you know, just going and kind of cobbling together income. And there just wasn't good options. And I looked at the home-based business landscape and it felt dated and not relevant and not fresh and not right for the modern woman and not really the right go-to-market strategy given the landscape of business. E-commerce was huge. The world was becoming more connected with the internet, changing everything. So I started with a blank piece of paper and said, if I were going to start a business today, what would I want it to deliver in its value to the world, to customers, how would you build it? What would it look like? And and there is something really freeing from starting from scratch because there's nothing to change. You know, there is like, there's the mountain to climb, like changing your life and going out and getting other people to believe in this mission and changing an industry. But in terms of like your own day to day, you don't have to rewire and say, oh, but if I do this, then these people will expect that. And, you know, it's just brand new. It's, it's fresh. It's like kind of building a home from scratch. You're not trying to figure out like how to remodel and is there, is this a load bearing wall? You're like, no, let me just, here's a plot of land. Let me just lay it out and build my dream home. Right. There's something really nice about that. But when you're, I will contrast that with like what we're doing today. So, so first, let me go back and say that was an amazing journey where it was hard and there were twists and turns and the original idea turned into like three different ideas and, and it took time and it took building and it took iteration, but eventually it came to life. And over the last 10 to 15 years, right? Whenever you think of a nebulous timeline of a business, it made an impact over 500 million in commissions earned. We really revolutionized an industry. And that doesn't mean being the leader doesn't mean you're in the lead in terms of the top in revenue or the top this or that. I just love to think that 
we could take some credit for shaking the industry up and saying, hey, let's get better with technology. Let's deliver a better product. Let's be more modern. And I feel good about that. And also like no ick factor, okay? Like no inventory loading and none of this like sketchy pyramid scheme business, which frankly, that's still out there, but it was never present. And we really fought the good fight of saying, let's disassociate with what people think is wrong with, with, with being like direct sales. That world, that term, I still don't like it because people have all this negative bias about what it means. And frankly, for good reason. Okay. So fast forward to today, looking around the world. And once again, I'm looking at what we're doing and the, how the world has been disrupted by so many other factors. The, economic change, the rise of social media, the rise of a gig economy in a bolder way, the change of culture. And I'm looking even at our own business that we've created in an industry and saying, does it feel fresh? Like if I had a blank piece of paper, is this the business I would build today? Or am I kind of remodeling and asking myself, ooh, can't knock that down. It's a load-bearing wall. And I got this great opportunity, frankly, by reorganizing the company and putting in place different leadership structures so that I could really spend the time doing what I do as a entrepreneur, which is deep, deep market research. And I think if you knew me, you would think, really? Because I seem like an extrovert. I'm, I'm, I love being out with our field. And there is this side of me that just loves daily operations and, and leading the business. But there's also this really weird side of me that is this researcher. And frankly, my other career that I would want to do, and I think people would think this was weird, is I'd want to be an economics professor. And I'd even be really happy doing economics research, like in order to fuel job creation, you know, and I would just do that, like as a, as a nonprofit kind of job working for the government in public service to try to drive economic opportunity for, for women and, and really people who have generally been underserved by life. So minorities, women. And I really believe that if you give people financial strength, they're able to have freedom of choice and not be beholden to other people who may judge them or think less of them or try to hold them down. So that is actually a passion. That is what I would do. And part of that really does fit in with being an entrepreneur because you go out and you become like a curious anthropologist. You look around the world, you find a problem, and then you just go study, study, study about ways in which if you understood the root of the need and the problem, what could you reinvent to make it better? So I've really been doing that over the last year or so in business. And being able to take a white piece of paper out to this issue of are women well-served by work? Do they have the best way to earn in the corporate world, in the gig economy, in social selling. And what I found was no, no, and no. And and that was really odd because in general, this world of direct selling is really softening in our own business, in competitors, you know, around the world. And you're scratching your head saying, well, maybe it's a good news. Maybe it's because we're at full employment. There just isn't much of a need. Corporate world is more flexible. Their gig economy is so robust. There's so many options. Like whip score, like yes, victory. <laughs> Women are better off. Good news. So Really, if you're in a mission-driven business and you're creating something that's, you know, that's a, for a solution for a problem, but the problem goes away, you should be happy. But as I went in and did that deep research, I was like deeply alarmed and also deeply reinvigorated because there is a huge problem. If I look at millennial women and I look and go do the research, there is a massive need. Their wealth is lower than, uh, 
the generation before them. And that is driven by the fact that they entered the workforce during a, a time of economic turmoil. So they, when, and research shows that when you go in with a lower wage, it stays that way, follows you. They had higher student debt. And probably some of you are listening being like, yeah, I have that student debt. It sucks because you're just paying so much to pay back what you've already spent that it's very difficult to buy a home or create savings or spend on the now. And that's because the cost of public education doubled since the mid-90s, right? It's crazy. Federal funding went down, costs went up. So it's awesome that women have this college education, yet they entered a world where it was tighter on getting a job. The jobs they were getting had wage stagnation, and then they've got all these bills. So then you're thinking, well, wait a minute, what about the gig economy? So free, so awesome, all this freelance. That was what blew my mind, okay? Blew my mind. When I dug under the covers in that research, what I found is even though half of millennials have a side gig and 37% of Americans, so for women, it's spanning, you know, Gen X and boomers, you know what they're doing? Half of them are doing childcare and dog sitting. And I was like, holy crap, this is the job they could have done before they had all that college debt. So this is really not like good news, what a relief. And then you look at what you tie this all together of, wow, okay, so women still don't have the freedom to do the get your hand off my knee money or I'm out of here, peace out, like don't harass me in my job. I'm not happy in this marriage. Like I want to live life on my own terms. I have financial freedom because they still earn less than you know, one sixth of what a man is earning in a gig. And that's because they're still the 70% primary caregiver. So I love the progress we've made. Don't get me wrong. I'm a half full optimist of like, yes, let's look at the good, not just the bad. But are women well-served? No, not not even close. And there's a lot more work to do. So the need to keep shining a light on challenging the world and ourselves as a mission of, are we the best gig in the gig economy? Are we the best chapter that's next for women to work? Are we relevant and fresh? And I look at what we're doing and the answer is like, oh, we could be better. So then I went out and parlayed that research into, oh, wait, this is a point I want to go back to. Okay. This is something that scares the crap out of me because people say, oh, direct selling is a pyramid scheme. And frankly, yeah, it's true for a lot of these businesses that operate in a very different model where they sell inventory and they pay people for recruiting and it's ick, 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 and they channel stuff. It is a pyramid scheme. And you need to like sniff that out. Anybody promising you get rich quick run, don't walk. That is a ticket to Fantasy Island. But there's other opportunities that are not. I digress. Point is, you know what's a pyramid scheme? Social security. And social security is going to run out and stop paying. And millennials are the generation that it's going to run out on. And yet they're the generation not equipped with opportunity to save for retirement. Women are not investing. They're not saving because they believe they can never retire. They just don't save. That to me feels like a perfect storm. So I in doing this time of researching our business, how can it be fresh? What is the economic need? I just got like fired up like a tiger. Like, oh my gosh, this is a huge problem. And that fuels my soul of being just so mission-driven and intense on, we got to go fix this. We got to go look at what is that right solution and we have to reinvent. So I was able to take this really fresh look at my business and say, how are we going to market? Where is it right? Where is it relevant? And how do we say out with the old, in with the bold? And what that led to was 
taking in inspiration from just everywhere from, and this is something I think as a journey as an entrepreneur, if you want to get fresh ideas, you need to go outside of your industry, right? If you're in apparel supply chain sourcing, you need to not go look at other apparel manufacturers for how to speed up your supply chain. Go look at Apple, go look at what people outside your industry are doing to reinvent and then learn from those general principles and try to go backwards and integrate. So I went out and I looked at, well, what are people, what is their dream job? What do people want to do today? And a lot of them want to go do, and this was through market research. We did our own primary research. I read secondary research. Again, that goes into that like data part of my personality where I go study, study, study and learn, learn, learn. And I look, people want to have an online store. They want to have an Etsy business. They want to be able to make money where they're location-free, schedule-free, and also debt-free, right? Because again, put it in context, people are already in debt. They don't have the money to go invest big in a business. They need something to work where they can get fast payback. And when I think about what how people have changed, they're also a bit more risk-adverse. So that's a mindset. And of course, like if you're sitting there under debt and you don't have the ability to buy a home or have all the things you want, of course, you're going to be more risk adverse. So even the psychology and the language of the offering is really important. We might have said to people before, start a business, and that was appealing. But today, you may be offering the same thing, but saying a way to earn extra income. And if you're risk adverse and afraid of failure, start a business sounds like something that's going to come with leases and employees and you could fail at and it's scary. Earn extra income, like you're successful with the first order. And it may be, you know, same path where you could do a little, do a lot and earn. But that is just a really important difference because you've got to meet your customers psychologically where they are. So if you are just selling your story and communicating how you think versus really deeply knowing and caring and doing the research about what your segmented audience needs to hear, you may just never connect with them and cross that bridge. So those were some like key aha moments. I'm like, okay, we've got something really powerful for today, but the way we're going to market with it is wrong. It has to change. And for those of you that don't know what I'm even talking about, because my business of Stellan.Family of Brands, I guess I should give that basic explanation. We have a social selling business where someone can enroll and they share and they earn by uh, sharing one of our product categories. We have brands, award-winning brands in fashion, meaning-based accessories, in skincare and beauty. And people enroll with one, they share and they choose to share in real life or online. And we ship the inventory, pay credit card processing fees, you know, and it really gives them freedom. And and that's great. But here's the deal. People today think of themselves as a brand versus them as a representative for the brand. They want the power of choice rather than what a decade ago people really liked with a plan, one, two, three, this is the guidelines, you stay within the guidelines, and this is what you do. So we stepped back and said, okay, how do we take what we got and amplify it to serve better? And that turned into this shake it up, disrupt concept of we need to become a social retail platform that's customer centric, where you come in, you enroll with a digital shop. You then merge your store by getting to choose which of our brands you promote. And you get to choose even third-party brands in the future that you might want to promote. And you get to earn based on any of them, but you have the power of choice. You can stay a specialist. You can choose to look at yourself as the brand and just share with passion the products that you love and make personal recommendations. 
And we needed to fuel this with a tool so that it isn't just like a, a gimmick offering. And that's something, again, as a business owner, I just want to highlight. You can say, like, do I believe in this deep down? Like, cause yeah, it sounds good. I could say all these buzzwords. And like, if I were going to get funding, you come up with all kinds of buzzwords. Like, we're the Shopify of, you know, power to the people. We're, we're the everyday is the woman is the influencer. We are the, you know, future of retail and blah, blah, blah. And you can make that sound really good that what's in it for the customer and is it legit? Because that is where you got to really follow through this logic chain of like, okay, you're right. That does sound good. Like a platform sounds good. More choice sounds good. But is the person going to be successful and is it going to scale and is it worth it? Like, can I do it? Is it worth it? And I wouldn't believe in just this platform idea because other people are out there doing something like that. Like, hey, let's everybody be an influencer and let's everybody go rep brands and share it. But a link is not enough and influencer pay is, does not cut it. Like if you are, our mission is the every woman. So this is someone who doesn't have, they have influence. And actually that's the way people like to shop. They like to shop off of trusted recommendations from friends. So that's good. But the idea that someone's just going to share something online and then they're going to get traffic to that, that site or that store and they're going to have a conversion rate that's reasonable when they don't have a lot of followers and that's, and they're going to do this part time. That's not so. That is selling a pipe dream. Not going to happen. So how do you make it where the commission rate is better? Right. Influencers earn like seven to 10%. That's considered a lot and they get paid a month from now. Like how is that going to help her out in the time of need? So I want like, how do you earn a lot more, get paid a lot faster? That's the problem you have to solve. And how do you help her convert more from the people she knows? And so that was the question of saying, all right, you got to have more margin in products that you develop so that you can pay a higher commission rate, like up to 40%. Like that's going to make it worth it. You got to pay faster and you have to give value added tools. So this vision is not complete without this innovative technology that we're bringing to market where you can create a shoppable inspiration board and share it on social or text to customers simultaneously to us preserving this point of sale system where people can do pop-ups. And I know that if you don't know our business, you're probably like, that is a lot of nitty gritty mumbo jumbo. But what I want to just let you into this meandering of the mind is it's a really complex problem to solve. And if you are trying to create a business that like sounds good in a PowerPoint deck for investors or other people, like you want to want this to be successful, you better be filled with skeptical paranoia that is poking holes in what sounds good and following this deep flywheel of success. Like this deep, like, yeah, that sounds good. But then what about this? Where does it break? What's the problem? Where are the holes? And and then I think, okay, we got all that, but you know what? She still needs confidence. She still needs community. How do you then help her get the first customer? Keep the customer. Make it simple. Make it fit in. You have to be just so rigorous around Every little detail, like get into every little nook and cranny. And I'm going to go back to the home analogy. If you're going to make sure this house is structurally sound, think about that. Even if you're building a home from scratch and, you know, frankly, almost everything is a remodel, <laughs> but if you're building it from scratch, you, you got to go and think about the, this, the, I'm going to forget the word, like the seismology report. Is that right? It's probably wrong, but you know what I mean? Like what kind of ground are we building on? Like how is this going to impact like the water system and, and the pipeline to the sewer? And like, there's all this stuff that is not the fun part. It is not designing, ooh, an open floor plan. And like, how am I going to decorate it? It's literally the, the piping, the shit work of digging into what could go wrong and why does this not just sound good, but why is it really good? And I feel that sense of obligation because 
one, I love it. Like I love that intellectual curiosity of making that puzzle fit together. But I also am just like, if you're going to go out and sell a vision, these are people, people that are, you're going to employ people who, whose money you might take as an investor. And then you want to give a return people whose heart you're going to capture in this mission. And they're going to give you their energy and their love and their trust and people who are going to believe in it. And, and for our business, you know, we're, we're there to be a partner to women and help them earn. So, you know, how do you not let them down? How do you build this, this realistic thing? And you're not going to do that unless you're really vigilant and you're unafraid, unafraid to take on this, this letting go and, and, and accepting the reality of, of change in an industry and putting things at risk because what's riskier is not changing. What's riskier is if you're in a world of change and your, your mission stays the same, but yet people are continuously spinning. The world is continuously moving. And if you're not really just aware of that change and really saying, okay, let me be bold. Let me be disruptive. And I'm willing to rock the boat in order to not make sure the boat just doesn't sink. Like, and you don't go the way of like blockbuster or frankly, even Netflix. Like remember before they became so disruptive, they used to send out stuff by mail. <laughs> they had to like rock their boat. And, and that's how you really move forward. So that's just like a, a journey into my mind. And I can tell you how excited I am about this. And I have to say, I, I just have this support group and I think we all need support around us. And. These are my friends who I meet with this group called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And we share openly as CEOs and business builders, you know, these are the challenges, these are concerns. And you're sitting in this room and there's these amazing people that are like my soulmates. Like I love them. They are just my rock. And I'm so grateful for having their wisdom to surround me. And, you know, you hear their stories and so many people go through these pivots before their business is successful, like I did in the very beginning, pivoting from DIY to, you know, to, to ready-made to multi-brand and, and pivots in their business where they're saying, okay, we're a services company. We need to be a tech company. We need to be both. We need to split them apart. And this is like 15 years into a journey and it's continuous. You're always doing these things to stay relevant, to serve, to reinvent. And they're big, scary, hard changes. But for me, I get this sense of calm. And I know that is crazy weird, but that is something I want you to know because if you feel this rightness, this moment of, oh, I've got this feeling deep down in my bones that our go-to-market solution is right. I see the future and I'm willing like to, I almost feel like I've been, you know, out in space thinking like in my head and in the market and in the world, and you're going to go through re-entree to earth and you're going to go through like the atmosphere and there's going to be all this turbulence, but you see very clearly we're going to land and it's beautiful. And if you can get your vision right and you feel that like deep sense of security and safety because you've thought through all those nooks and crannies and you begin to crystallize this vision in your head, all of a sudden you have this just deep well of energy of resilience. And like I work, I'm working so much right now and I love it. Like I love it. It's, it doesn't feel like a minute, like time stands still. And there's also this concept of zone of genius versus zone of competence. When you're doing your zone of competence, it's great. You're getting the job done, but it doesn't fill your energy. You're kind of like de- depleted or tired. And because you know, you're doing it, you're doing it well, but like it, it drains you getting into this zone of genius. And this is not me saying I'm a genius. I apologize for that connection <laughs> in the same sentence, but you do something that you really like 
love, just time stands still and you can work for like 10 hours and you don't even know what's happening. And, and I think that if you're an entrepreneur and you just feel really right about something and you've examined those nooks and crannies and you've put together a flywheel of success and you're really feeling future forward and you just deeply believe, that is where you get this feeling of like, I will go through any fire. I will go through anything because I know it's right and I see it before it exists. And then you just get this excitement around like, well, failure, how is that even an option? Because it's a certainty, like it exists in the future and it's my destiny to walk through the fire to meet it and, 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 and bring people through that path and help them see what I see and, and, and see what they see and, and make where we're going better because it's this, this thing, this evolution, this certainty continues to shape and, and evolve. So what is my take action challenge to you after you just listen into like the world of stream of consciousness nonsense mind of an entrepreneur is I want you to think about, um, this concept of what goes on in your head is not this. It's not like a perfected script of what happens after you've put thoughts together. And it's not a one and done mental challenge of. I have a business. I have a solution. This just stays. Stasis is death. Amazon, Bezos says this all the time, which I love. Stasis is death. So accept change is the certainty. And I want to ask yourself right now, where are you clinging to your present reality or the past and refusing to embrace radical change? Is there a place where you're standing still or riding a decline or experiencing less than what you want and what you need because you aren't embracing um, evolution. And if you can just think about where that is, and if you can think about the mindset of, if I go through change, I'm going to lose some stuff. It's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. And here's my bucket of loss. And that is why I stay and I cling and I embrace. But what am I missing in my bucket of growth and opportunity by not opening up my mind to the world that's ahead of me and creating it? And do I need to take a shift to be bold, out with the old and in with the bold? Because you are self-made, not just in your present, but in your future. And what you make is not just for the self, it's for those around you. And what you make, it isn't just by yourself either. But it is this notion that if you're able to open your mind to future possibility, then you are able to create the future that you so deserve. So until next week, my friends, remember you are self-made. And if you got something out of this mumbo jumbo gibberish of today, then share it hashtag self-made podcast, review it wherever you get podcasts. And I am so grateful that you were out there listening. I have to say it's weird that I feel this sense of connection. I know you're out there. So give me the feedback, tag me at Jessica Heron. Uh, if you want more into the pathway of an entrepreneur, go find the book, Find Your Extraordinary on Audible and give it a listen or, you know, get the book. Uh, and I will talk to you soon. See you next week. Bye.